no more, no more. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. How's everything, uh, you know, way up there? Uh, way up here. Yeah. You, um, you have a mental model for geography that intrigues me. Well, you're north of, uh, you're north of, uh, Austin. But I think I'm more significantly out here, aren't I? Up, up and out. Mm hmm. Up, way up, way out. Yep. Get off your. You're up high. Like if I were to look uh, up. Yeah. That's where your ivory throne is. Hmm. Their tower, whatever. Yeah. Say no tower, buddy. Uh, I think I'm at a pretty reasonable uh, elevation. That's high enough. Yeah. It, it'll do for now. Yeah. So what, how's everything going? Any big plans for the uh, the coming Thanksgiving holiday? Anything big you guys are going to do? Yeah, we're doing Thanksgiving. Do you make a turkey or ham? Well, um, I'm not make my sister-in-law is a wonderful cook and she's making um, the primary dinner. I think we're getting a retail pie. It might be too late to get a retail pie, but like a high quality retail pie, you got to yeah. pre-order those things because it's America. <laughs> but <laughs> and San um, Francisco. Oh, God, Dan. Um, it, uh, yeah, we're going to do that. And I, I, I like, historically, I've always enjoyed a rib roast on holidays. And for now, I'm, I'm content to stand alone on that. And I think for some people, that's not, it doesn't, it doesn't do for most people. It doesn't, no. you know, it doesn't bring suffice. up family it doesn't, members. Yeah. You want it, you want a turkey, you want the gravy, you want the, maybe even some stuffing. You, you want know, that weird can, not everybody can, can, cranberry thing. Would you have a feeling on that? I don't. I, I like. I, I like really the can kind. I like it. Mm. I was raised in a household. I think this was pretty common, at least for where I came up. Was that you get a can of Ocean Spray seedless cranberry juice? So you basically have a continuous, contiguous gel of of sugared cranberry product, <laughs> and you go flork. Flork is the sound of the cranberry the thing plopping, plopping, and then you slice it like a gentleman. And you have little, you have little round. Are you discs. supposed to slice it or mush it or what's the thinking on that? That's disgusting. That's well, I'm like, just asking. I've never had that. Well, this is kind of like the butter problem. Like different people deal with butter in different ways. I think this is something we don't talk about in America because it's awkward. But it, it, where I, you know, we we had you. If you have something like a can of cranberry sauce, and and then you have something like a butter knife, and you can make a perfect disc. Like why wouldn't you do that? I don't understand. I don't understand people who mush it up. That's really weird to me. I guess I, I guess you know it's it's what you come from. Because I mean, technology, I, if you have the technology to make something yeah. perfect, why not make it perfect? That's the funny. I'm sorry. I'm I'm really gobbling this coffee. Um, Are you drinking the, coffee? Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know it all. It's all based on uh, what you grew up with. Now, when I would go to somebody's home for a holiday and they had non-ocean spray cranberry <laughs> juice from a can, I always thought it was so weird. Like having cram- cranberry sauce. Having cranberry sauce with like seeds and it always seems so strange to me because we always had like the most, I mean, I might as well have grown up in the fifties. It was like, I might as well have grown up like in the fifties in England for the way that I ate. I never had fresh asparagus till I was in college. I thought you're supposed to eat from, that with your, uh, with your hands, you know, the whole can can of asparagus. Yeah. It no. smells like pee. Well, it's called my medic. It's some people di- can't di- smell di- that. Di- Did you know that? Some people can't smell that. Turns out, did you know that? It's like a gene. Yeah. And also being able to, um, to uh, make the shape with your tongue. Can you make the shape with your tongue? I cannot. I cannot. But I can, I can smell it, but I can't make the shape. Do you sneeze when you look at the sun? I do not. But I, I know do. someone that does. 
Yeah. Actually, now I'm so habituated that if I need to sneeze, just looking up helps me sneeze. Really? Mm-hmm. I've heard that, and the person who did that uh, told me that, oh, that's like a known thing. I said, that you're crazy? And and they said, no, this is like a known thing. And I looked it up, and it's true. I think really it's like one out, of, one out of seven or something like that. Huh. It's, you know, the thing is, I, I can only become a person who hates, turns out, journalism as much as I do now. If I were somebody who came from a background where I had always loved turns out journalism, I love facts like that. There's, and there's there's lots of those genetic things. There's the now I only learned about the uh, uh, asparagus pea smell fairly recently. Is that new? Is that new literature? Or is this new research? Is this a, a Jonah Lehrer discovering? No, I've 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 always known about it, but I didn't know about the research until I'm probably remembering it wrong. If memory serves, I think I read this in in the uh, New York Times magazine. If you are able to smell asparagus in pea and you look at the sun, you'll be able to, within 10,000 hours, be able to identify whether a statue is real, literally by blinking. I don't know if that's true. I'll I have to check. I haven't read I have that. to check the source materials. i have to check, check the studies. I mean, did you have, like, romaine around the house when you were a kid? Did you have, like, green leaf lettuce around the house when you were a kid? Never, no. I mean, I we only was, ever I, had, uh, you know, like, iceberg, the kind that is now universally poo-pooed. It's it's pretty much empty in terms of nutritional value. Right. There's no nutritional value. There's almost no flavor, which is the main reason that if you couldn't, you couldn't twist my arm, get me to eat a salad. I didn't eat. Speaking of things that you didn't eat, I didn't eat a Chinese food. Oh, that's a story. I didn't eat even, even despite my ethnicity, I did not eat Chinese food until I was in college and I did, nor did that's, I eat salad of any kind. You never had lechoy from a can? No, no. I'll tell You're you why. You want to hear the story? I do. There's a little story. Uh, I was uh, maybe f- six or seven years old, and uh, my parents had been divorced. I was staying at my father's house, and we uh, he got Chinese food. I had not had Chinese food, and or I think we went out to Chinese food, and I ordered some kind of a dish that had chicken and pineapple in it, and I became uh, quite ill, lots of throwing up for that evening, and... From then on, I think we have talked about this, but from then on, the association with vomiting and the taste and smell of Chinese food was inseparable. And it took probably 15 years for me to be able to get to the point where I could go into a Chinese food restaurant and and not be sick, despite my uh, the allure of Chinese food to my people. And then I was able to overcome that in college and then, of course, fell back in love with Chinese food. My goodness. Isn't that strange how those associations can happen? Isn't that weird? I feel I mean, that it way was about so strong. I feel that way about um, candies and chocolates. So, like when I was growing up, I, I really liked the most mundane, like Hershey bar kind of chocolates. Good old and fashioned chocolate bar. Did I ever tell you that story about the uh, the Christmas uh, bar. candies? Stuff bar. <laughs> Goldenberg chew. <laughs> No, tell me the story. I don't think you have told it. No, it's it's a it's a it's a really boring story. But you know, <clears throat> excuse me. We gone to my uh, my father's boss's house to exchange Christmas. I told you the story. To exchange Christmas presents, and they gave me this beautiful box of chocolates. I tore it open, plopped one of these things into my mouth, and bit into it. And in my memory, anyway, it was one of those nightmare chocolates. It was like dark chocolate, and it had like um, nuts in it, which I hated. Mm. I hate I hate surprise nuts. I, I still like to know a nut is coming. Yeah, it's like anchovies and breakups. You just like to know it's, it's there, like <laughs> a cat. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe it even had some of that orange stuff in it. Ooh, you ever get a candy with the orange That's stuff? The in worst. It? 
And I sat there with this, I, it was like basically this rip, chomp, and I had a bitten through disgusting chocolate in my mouth. And I sat there with that thing in my mouth with tearing, like I was tearing for like 20 minutes because I was so scared to make a scene in front of my, uh, my dad's boss's wife. And so I finally went in the bathroom and like practically threw up. And then, I, I and then that, like that stays with you, right? And that little boy today is Hank Aaron. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I see in my daughter, like she likes unadulterated stuff. She wants to know, like, these are junior mints. These are M&Ms. She, like, wants, she, to, she wants to go, you know, farm the table. Hmm. Farm, farm, farm the table. You, you say that a lot. What does that mean? Farm the table. That means in theory that it's a locally sourced or locally grown and like, like, oh, this beef wasn't shipped in from Illinois. This beef was from the farm that's 30 minutes down the road and the farmer himself or herself dropped it off at our door, unfrozen, you know, fresh. And it, it was on the farm yesterday and on the table today kind of thing. They get, they get in the truck with the butchered animal. Yeah. They or they butcher, the it, they butcher it on the truck. En route. En route. They don't even stop for gas. Because if you said farm to gas station to table, it probably wouldn't look as good on a sign. That's complicated, Dan. I guess I like that kind of stuff. I, I I sometimes feel like I can't really tell the difference. But all I'm saying is, I think whatever you grew up with is is what you want. I mean, Thanksgiving is such a comfort food kind of event that when somebody gets all top chef and decides to put like truffle oil, yeah, into the green bean casserole, you know, it might be a little bit of a, a little bit off putting. Mm. Certain flavors stuff. don't mix. Do you How's like that? to mix? Like, what if what if you have you know one a couple things on your plate and then they mm-hmm. touch? Can you still eat that or no? 100%. I used to, back at church on Wednesday night uh, uh, community dinners, I was famous for something called Merlin's Mush, where I would take literally everything on the buffet and make it into one big mushy pile because mm. I, need, I needed a lot of attention. <laughs> no, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind, so, see, I don't mind it now. Now, I say bring it on. But when I was a kid, like, like I, I really wanted everything. Like if, oh, well, this touched, you know, the, the, the carrots touched the ketchup. Like now I can't eat that carrot. Now I'll try anything. Despite despite your uh, your background, well, it's not for the show. Okay, did you like segmented plates? I never had them when I was a kid, but I would have loved them. That would have very much appealed to me. Now I just whatever happens happens, just like in Lost, like like a hmm, like a prison tray. That'd be kind of nice to have, like like a nice one, like made out of like bone china or something. Did visit Alcatraz when I was up there in your city? It's uh, one of the very few extremely popular tourist destinations that everybody knows about that's actually pretty cool you've been there yeah yeah Yeah, i've been there twice i like it a lot i'm sorry i keep interrupting you i apologize no it's okay go ahead caller (sighs) first time trazer i i like it i think it's pretty good people you know it's we've talked about this it's hard to talk people out of like what they think they should be doing when they go somewhere and then, and then when they leave and they're frustrated that they spent three days of fisherman's wharf you're like well (laughs) you know i tried to kind of (laughs) right i tried to tell you (laughs) <laughs> there aren't that many people here that actually go eat soup out of a bread bowl. That's kind of a tourist thing. I got those at the airport too. You can get them anywhere. They got slot machines at the airport in Las Vegas, you know. I did not know that. Oh man, it's so depressing. So depressing. I wish I could like Las Vegas more. There's a, there's a lot I should really like about it, but but it all wears off pretty quick. Never been there. Should I go? Should I go to like CES or something? You should what to see the rock band? Yes, no C E C E S Consumer Electronics uh, 
What in happened? and around the lake. Uh, <laughs> Marlins come out of the sky and they stand there. Yeah. Mandalay Bay. Uh, it's something that should be seen. It's like having strep throat. I mean, you'll eventually probably get it and you should just get it over with. No, some people really like it. Like John Gruper and his family, they love going there. They have a great time there. What is it that you do in as a family in Las Vegas? Is it a family friendly town now? Well, I think this is a kind of, I think this is a subject. Or does it depend on what kind of family you are? If you have an unconventional family, sure. Want to go see a donkey show with your kid? Why not? (laughs) It's not made of stone. (laughs) You know? Um, Boy, they better get that cranberry sauce right at the donkey show. Anyway, uh, I think this is a subject of some contention because for a long time, it was absolutely not that. It was a place where you went uh, to lose money and uh, and get a whore. And then I think at some point in the Steve Wynn era, they started trying to make more stuff that was more like Disney World. I think they took a lot of notes from the way the Disney properties work, you know? Where you've got things that look like things. You've got that mimetic architecture kind of stuff. Like, we're going to stay on the pirate ship. You know, you can get a whore anywhere. You don't have to go on a pirate ship. Sorry, sex worker. And and so, you know. <laughs> right. That is, that is not the preferred nomenclature. That's right. That's right. Um, um, and then I think there was a backlash against that because people just weren't. I mean, it's all about the gaming. You know, really, ultimately, Las, Las Vegas, every, so much of what is there. Yeah, they want you to spend money on lots of stuff. But ultimately, they want to bring in the people who are going to spend a lot of money. Yeah. The whales. They want to bring in the whales. And you, so you're not a gambler. No, no, no reason for that. I don't you ever, play. You ever gamble at all? Uh, one time I was on a, uh, I went to the Bahamas and the ship or boat really that took you to, from Florida to the Bahamas, they had gambling at some point and everybody rushed down inside the boat to gamble. Oh, like the second they were in international waters. <laughs> yeah. And I went down there and there was some slot machine. I put a couple coins and did the thing and, uh, okay, now I've done it. And, uh, it, it felt stupid and it felt, uh, embarrassing. And I left and went back up and watched the skeet shooting. Hmm. Worst uh, boat trip of my life. Did you get sick? No, I don't get seasick. I don't get motion sick really or seasick at all. I feel more at home on the water than I do on land. Don't believe that. I don't think you feel at home anywhere. No, I feel quite at home on the water. I can't imagine you looking at home. I feel that's quite really at home on the water. It's great. It's maybe that's because you never see me on the water. Does sailing take you away? Come sail away. Yeah. Uh, no, I I uh, I love uh, I love being on the water. Love boating, and I uh, grew up with it. And uh, yeah, being on a boat where it was mostly about gambling and skeet shooting was foreign to me, and I didn't like it. Uh, but I love being on the water. It's a joy. But that like was the only jack. time I gambled. That's the only time that I've ever done any kind of gambling. I don't, I, I enjoy, I more enjoy the kind of card games you play with your daughter than like uh, playing like a poker. I mm-hmm. don't enjoy playing a poker game or bluffing, trying to bluff people or being, maybe if I was better at it, I might like it more, but you only get better by playing more and I don't enjoy the playing part. So I don't know what to do. Yeah, p- poker's a poker's a really human game. I mean, that's one of those games where, like, you know, I don't know a lot about gambling. I, I like blackjack because it really is something that it's it's fun and it's challenging. It's it's kind of like basically like doing if you do basic strategy, it's like doing a crossword basically. Um, but um, yeah, with poker, you really do have to do it with other people. I enjoy that. I just don't enjoy the. You know, I don't I don't really like things where money's at stake, and I don't think I would like the game if money wasn't at stake. And it just seems 
you know, there, there's an aspect to luck. There's an aspect to, to blood. So here's a question. Since you play so much poker, what's yeah. the, um, like, how much of, of what's important is luck or is there a way are you, if you, can you count, can you count cards or is that a blackjack thing? And uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. What's the what's the thinking behind uh, poker? Well, black, blackjack, you don't even have to count cards. That's a whole separate thing. Blackjack is just if you know how many cards are in the deck, you know what the just roughly. You just, I mean, the most straightforward way to play is just one card at a time, which is you always know what to do in certain situations given what the dealer has, and what you have. That's why I like it. It's the closest. I think it's the game that's closest to something that you can actually win at, but you won't because there's always the human factor. And I think the human factor, as I understand it, is really big in poker. I mean, you know, you obviously. Because you could be you could be dealt a, a terrible hand. I mean, I understand poker and the rules of it. You could be dealt a terrible hand and 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 win because you are you are bluffing the other players. Yeah. Well, you know, right? I, I think there's just yes, and I think there are just game, game people. I think there are game people. There are people who just like different aspects of of games. They like they like puzzles or they like competition. They like that certain kind of. I mean, there's a it's social, but it's got you know, a pretty mature set of rules around it. It's a, it's a nice way for people who are sometimes somewhat introverted to have a way to hang out with people that's not awkward. The and only winning move are, is, is not to play. That's true. That's a good point. Did you want to tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about our first sponsor, Shutterstock. Shutterstock.com, you'll find over 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and now we have some new numbers, 1 million video clips. Go to Shutterstock.com. You're going to try a search. If you're working on a website, an ad, a publication, any kind of creative project, anything that that you might need to go and get an image for or a video for, maybe you're building an iOS app, maybe you're building a new website or writing a post for a site and you need the right, you know what? You're writing your Thanksgiving Day post and you want a picture of a, of a mom cutting into a turkey. Where are you going to get that image? It could be anything. They've got it. They give you a global image collection. Images are coming in from across the world. They're all taken by independent photographers. Some people are making their entire living. They run a little business just by uh, going and taking pictures and submitting them to Shutterstock. Very well-vetted pictures. Real photographers taking them. And it's more affordable than you think. There's no extra charge for the large files. You download any image, you get it at one price. High-resolution images. You need it, take it, it's yours. Retina support. Made easy. You know what? That could be their uh, slogan now. That's a freebie. Yeah, they can run with that. They have 24-hour support during the week in case you run into any trouble. They've got these great little light boxes. They've got a really cool iPad app that works probably even a little better than the website because you get to tap and move things around. Sign up for a free browse account. Go to Shutterstock.com. Don't enter a credit card. You don't have to. When you find the images that you want, you're ready to purchase something, the offer code is back to work 1113. So back to work 1113. You're going to get 25% off whatever it is that you put together. It could be one image, could be a subscription. Get that discount for life. Go check it out. Thank you very much to Shutterstock.com for supporting 5x5 and this lovely program back to work. You sound like you've like- healed up last, since mm-hmm. last time, Merlin. Uh, I'm just, it's slow. It's really slow. How's your, how's your girl? Up, Didn't um, she get it? I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you now. No, I apologize. Go ahead. I just want to, while we're on Shutterstock, I just want to say I went and I, I searched on cranberry sauce and I'm pretty sure that I am in a vast, I don't see any can shaped cranberry sauce. It's all that kind of mucked up kind that people seem to like. If you go search on cranberry sauce, they got a lot of cranberry sauce <laughs> here. They have 25 pages of cranberry sauce. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
we got you know what i'm gonna get one of those images and we'll put that uh, into the show notes i'll go ahead and do that now it's a great idea yeah i um it's you know you shouldn't talk about being sick nobody cares but yeah i'm getting over it very slowly care yeah i'm very snotty you know my poor kid she was really sick um she wasn't as sick as me but she was really sick so we had a day off hung out at home watched almost an entire season of top chef really Mm -hmm. yeah we really broke the rule but you know when you're sick there's not that much to do but watch tv and you can't the thing is here's the thing dan you can't load kids up on medicine like when i was little when i was little you could pump kids full of opiates and that was that was totally okay you're supposed to now today yeah, that's right. I think it was the thing to do. I mean, people understood children should be, you know, neither seen nor heard. They should be just somewhere just slightly above comatose. And it's better for them, too, because they're, they're little ears. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm still kind of out of it. I apologize. Well, you seem all right. I mean, you definitely sound a lot better than you did. Really? I yeah. feel like I sound worse. No, I think you sound better. What are your symptoms these days? Trying to, I'm muting a lot because I have to blow my nose. Ugh. And I don't like to do that. Yeah. Oh no! I, it, Dan. I did it. More, I listened to what you said, and I did it some more, and it didn't really seem to make a difference. But I, I didn't like the feeling, but I did it more. Hmm. Um. Symptoms. I just mostly snotzy. I feel better. You know, the, the the funny part is that the time that you get the most symptoms that everybody else can see is generally when you're getting better. Like if you're coughing and you're snotzy, I think that that means you're getting better. It's when you're it's when you just have a wanging headache and, and football player glands that that you know nobody can see. It's a private pain. Two thousand four hundred and thirty five results for cranberries loss. Yeah, I'm looking at some of them. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. That's a great sponsor. So what do you what have you been doing? Just working, man. Yeah, you know, doing doing shows, trying to build things up. <laughs> is this is this your topic? What's Dan doing? Well, I'm just asking. I feel like you know, I'm, I'm talking about you know, th- thither and yawn. My cold went uh, when it came and went. Hmm. Yeah. So it, I've been it, you know back to work. We talked to, we talked about this uh, in an offline uh, texting exchange where I use periods. Thank you. Uh, we uh, we we were talking about this, and I really feel like. I used to, I just don't understand that at all. I, I used to get sick a lot more in Florida. When I lived in, let me put it this way. My feeling is that when I lived in Florida, I got sick a lot more and for a lot longer durations. I'll tell you my know, theory on that. Yeah. Because I have a theory on that. I think that the allergens in Florida are so overwhelming that your body is at a constant state of being like your whole you're already almost sick from the allergy you're already at this this uh super oh you're like you're wolverine with the adamantium, with the adamantium. You're trying to heal. your body's rejecting florida right so all it takes which is a natural thing to do all it yeah. takes it's like a, you know th- and then of course you're going to get sick when you get a cold or someone is coughing or sneezing as a flu or whatever around you of course you're going to get that because your body's immune system is already at like 99.5% and it's already taxed, you know? Mm-hmm. I totally Can you understand. get two colds at once? Yes. Have you had that? I think so. I think you can have, you know, you get different systems in the organism. I think, I think that can happen. Um, I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you call it strictly a cold, but I think you can have several cold-like afflictions at the same time. Now, can you have a flu in the cold at the same time? Right, I bet you can. I mean, unless you are uh, got the flu shot. <laughs> then you won't, you'll get you won't get the flu. I should get a flu shot. I really should. I think the lice is gone at the school. That's good. Oh, what a relief! 
Yeah. Everybody had to wear, uh, all the girls had to wear their hair in a ponytail and you, your coats weren't allowed to touch. It was real, real Gattaca. I don't Things think I do now. well in that world. Yeah. The Gattaca. We had our first parent-teacher conference. That went well. How'd that go? What happened? It went well. Well, I can't say in too much detail, but she's pretty much perfect. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we're working on some things with, uh, see, my, the, my one problem, I, I don't like to talk about my daughter, but she, um, I, I think she's a little bit of a perfectionist. And I think perfectionists get a bad rap because people think perfectionism means, uh, I think the, the classic idea on perfectionism is like, I'm going to keep working on this thing until it's exactly the way I want. And therefore that becomes a kind of procrastination. I think that does exist. I don't know if I'd call that perfectionism. I think perfectionism in a more acute way is I'm not ready to even try this until I know I can do it really well, which is really different. If you think about it, that's like in her a case, very like, good point. I, I totally agree. Is with that, that, is that distinction? a distinction? Okay. Yeah. Well, cause you know, we read like a lot. I mean, especially with things like comics and I, for, for, for about a year now, she'll point out a word on an upcoming page and say, uh, when we get here, let me say no, or let me say what, or let me, you know what I mean? She, she sees a word that she knows. Mm-hmm. And then the way that we read, when we read a comic, we usually read on the iPad. And I'm holding the iPad mini, you know, in, in my hands with my thumbs kind of in the middle. And there's this informal, this is really dumb, but there's this like kind of informal thing that we started doing early on that we still do, which is I kind of informally point the proper thumb at the body of the person who's talking. Oh, because it can be, I don't point at the at the bubble because, especially with Brian Michael Bendis, you might break your thumb. And so I, uh, <laughs> there's a reason they've never put out a comic written by Brian Michael Bendis and Chris Claremont. It, it, it would, it would just, it, never mind. Um, anyway, but what I'll do is, so like over here, like okay, Psylocke is is speaking, and so my thumb is kind of pointing in the direction of where Psylocke is. Mm-hmm. And then when, when Wolverine talks, my thumb on the right points over here. And so I think that's a good way to, um, I mean, as silly as comics are, and I understand I'm a bad father or whatever, but I think comics are great because sequential art and storytelling, like she's learning about stories, uh, you know, well, step zero, they're fun. It's just fun to read. And we really enjoy them. We read the same, we just read the same, you know, Lilo and Stitch comic like three times. Like it's, it's really fun. Great movie, by the way. Have you ever seen Lilo and Stitch? Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe it's been on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm just here to tell you that for myself, it is, I can't even tell you how much it is not what I expected at all. Did you know it's a science fiction movie? I did know that. Yeah. Oh man. It's really funny. And, and the little girl in it is awesome and insane. She's actually crazy and it's really funny. Um, but we'll be reading, you know, reading along and like, I, I feel like it's sort of like my basic thing with TV where. I mean, I have two strong feelings about kids and TV that I don't actually feel that strongly about, but kind of strong feelings, which is that, first of all, like if there's a story and it takes, you know, more than a few minutes, like I'm not crazy about her watching that awful Casper cartoon, which looks like somebody made it with their feet, you know, because <laughs> there's no story to it. The animation's terrible and the, the stories are just beyond perfunctory. But, you know, if, if she's going to sit down, even with Adventure Time, I mean, my gosh, that's a lot to follow. That's a lot of narrative and a lot of questions to ask. And there's a lot of things to, you know, figure out when you're watching that. And the same thing happens in comics because a good comic isn't going to tell you. 
<laughs> unless it's the unless it's the issue of X Men where Cyclops leaves, it's not going to be a comic that's just about telling you what's happened. It's going to be about your figuring out and like having to fill in details on things mm-hmm. and like who is this character and wh- why would this person do this or say that? Why would they leave now? Like what to me that opens up a million interesting things to talk about. But you know, also learning to keep a thread and a narrative, learning what kinds of stories are out there. I love stuff like that. But the the to the point of the conference. I felt for a long time that like she knows more than she lets on. I think most kids are like that. And I think when you're a little kid, you have so much data. You have data in the sense of like, you've got little bits of information that may not even have relationships to each other. Like, you know, lots of stuff, but as you get older, getting older is partly about learning new stuff, but it's really about making connections. And stuff. That's what creativity is. That's what growing up is. It's like, oh, I understand. Right. So it's, like, it's, it's, that, it's that the experience that forms the connections between those different data points that lets you say, this is how I make a better decision. I guess so. Yeah. Or like the day in early high school when my best friend and I realized that his birthday was way less than nine months after his parents got married. And, and we sat in a room together and, and did that math several times and just started staring at each other. And like, that's a moment where like, there's this fact out in the world and learning this one fact. Oh, so that's why your mom never finished college. That ex- all of a sudden there's all these things about your life and your parents' relationships that like you start rethinking and you have this like, you know, Shyamalan moment where you go back and sort of refilter all the information you have about your life through this, this new fact. That's kind of what it means to, you know, so I, so for the perfectionist kid or the perfectionist person, I think I think there are there are people out there who know lots of stuff but aren't ready to, in her case, even say a word unless she knows she's going to say that word right. So I think she, I think her vocabulary is pretty good. It's just that she sometimes won't want to read something out. Or we like we were playing Top Chef, we we're watching Top Chef, and uh, and I would put out the tiles of all the letters of the chef's names, and then she'd make them into the person's name. Well, that's cool. And she's really good at it, but I would I would say you know, um, like you know B R I A N. Like here's here's all the letters from Brian, and she would get the B, and then she would get the R, and then she would get the A, and I go, well, hang on a minute, like keep saying the word, buh, bruh, bry. And like, uh, it w- I, it's a silly language, Ellie. <laughs> it won't always work. There are silent letters and no one knows why. But if you keep sounding it out with each new letter you add, it gets easier each time. Plus, you got, you know, process of elimination, which is always good. But uh, she did great at that. She, you know, but, it, but, you know, like on a test, she was not able to immediately recognize all of the, these small words that she's supposed to know by the end of the year. Why am I saying this? But I think she knows a lot of those. It's just that I think there are people out there, there are people like me who are more than willing to shout out the answer whether we think it's right or not. And then there are are people who you might call perfectionists who will sit on something and not even say it unless they're 100% positive that they'll be right. And a lot of those people, and if you can combine that with something like, you know, introversion, I think that can make it really hard. I think that's one reason it's probably hard for a lot of kids, but especially girls in school is they don't, you know, they're not the kind that yell stuff out. Right. It, it's know. almost, it's more encouraged, I think, for boys to be vocal than, than girls still, but maybe that's changing. I think it is. I mean, you know, actually Ellie is, you know, she does yell out stuff a lot. Um, but um, I don't know. I think perfectionism eh, could be a topic. I think it's a very interesting idea that a lot of people like introversion. I think it's a topic that a lot of people have a, a pretty simple idea about that doesn't get at why it's actually pretty complicated 
You know, one of the things like procrastination, as I have said innumerable times on here, I, I, you know, I really believe that procrastination is an effect rather than a cause. Um, and I think, I think in some ways it's similar with perfectionism where it's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens that leads to a condition that you or a situation that you could define as perfectionism, but the, the ways that you get there, um, I don't know, I can be extremely varied and, and very hard to deal with in a lot of ways, I think. Well, tell, I mean, tell me more about that because I think that, you know, like I've seen with, with uh, my son, who's almost six, um, you know, that, that sometimes his, if he knows how to do something or if he's interested in that thing, then he's incredibly enthusiastic and it's it's i don't know if it has to do with confidence or if it just has to do with interest because i've found that even if he doesn't know how to do something if he likes the topic or likes the concept or likes the 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 general space that this thing is in then he's completely ready to try it and learn about it and fail and figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But if it, mm-hmm. it if it either doesn't interest him or if he's had a previous experience that didn't go well, then the, and the, there's this big sort of immediate rejection of, no, I don't want to do that. I don't even want to try it. And then he might be coaxed, eventually coaxed into trying to do it and find out, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, like, the next time he's willing to do it. But that initial rejection of it is so strong. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. You can't make me do that. I, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'll lay on the ground now. You know, that, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's so strong. But yet, maybe two weeks ago... He was that he was that way with what is now his favorite thing, and I I think I've, we've mentioned this. Legos is a, an example of this. Is that you know we got him some Lego set, and you can't just go and buy pieces. You can't. I mean, there's like two Lego sets that have pieces, and everything else is now a three hundred dollars set. Right. You, you know? get, if you get we, we we like those green and pink buckets. Like those those are pretty good. Yeah. If you buy those kits, like you're entering a world of pain. Yeah, but now sometimes that's the only way that you can get the cool piece that you. Oh, if you want the people, if you want the people, the you got to buy the, or the, to the get Wolverine. If you want Wolverine, you got to buy the helicopter. Yeah, you got to get yeah. the helicopter that's fifty nine dollars and has. But but out of that, you're going to get a whole bunch of extra wheels and whatever. So being able to go and and look at that, and of course, this is the thing. I think this goes back exactly to what you were saying. He'll look at, he's, he's surprisingly good at following the instructions and building the stuff now, but at first he would look at the end result and he would look at the, the pieces there and be like, no, I don't want to do it. You build it for me. I'm like, well, that's not why we got it. We can build it together. No, I don't want to build it together. I don't want to build it at all. And I'd say, okay, that's all right. And I'd just leave it there. And when no one was around, no one was watching, or at least he didn't know no one was watching, you know. Uh, he would sit down and open the instructions and build it and left him alone for, you know, an hour. He can follow those instructions by himself? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. That's really good. Uncharacteristic for him to be able to do that. Oh, but he... he well, no, it is because usually when, uh, you know, like there are certain things that he... But the idea that he would sit for like 30 minutes following instructions on his own, building something, he's a rambunctious kid. And and it's uncharacteristic for him to like sit down and read something and try the piece and do it. And, and, uh, and, and he did it. And he built this very, very complicated articulated robot from the instructions. It just blew me away that he built this and had the interest and the patience to build it. And now, of course, he loves Legos and there's absolutely no 
anxiety around building them or anything else like that, whereas there was before. And it's just getting over that hump. But like, I see this with myself and with other people that I've worked with in like in real life is that why do we sometimes reject that thing? Our first response is, I don't want to try. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, I, I do. Um, and I, I agree. I think it's the, the starting point. A I D A. I mean, it's, it starts with attention and interest <laughs> to follow two of the, of the four bullet points from Alec Baldwin. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I guess for, this would be too much to get into, but there, there is something I have faced in my life, and I see it with my daughter, is what you describe as being this instant rejection of something, whether that's a new food or whether that's even something seemingly benign. I, I think part of it is that, that like, I've got to tell. I've got tells and my wife has tells. And there's probably a certain way we say things that she can immediately tell that we're trying to get her to try something new. And... um I, I, you know what I mean? Whether that's a food or whatever, I, I think they get good at that. They, they, there's so much communicated to a little kid that mm-hmm. they pick up before they know how to talk. They learn so much about us and how we say things or carry ourselves. So, you know, we frequently get into a situation on movie night where I'll, I'll be like, okay, well, let's pick a movie. And then I, I will start laying out my parameters and I will say, look, I, I, I want to pick a movie as a family, something we're all three going to watch where we're not going to do something else, you know, we can also think we'd all be interested. I said, now for me, like that would be like one of the superhero movies we watch or something new, or you can always fall back on fantastic Mr. Fox. Cause you could do a lot worse than that. But, um, but you know, and, and she'll want to watch something that's extremely familiar, which is normal. But now once again, she is nowhere near most of the kids I've known, like how I was with cassettes, how little kids a slight generation later were with v- VCR. Like you would meet, remember you meet a little kid who watched Pinocchio every day, like had to watch Pinocchio. Yeah, like every that day. Would, they would come home, they'd eat their carrots while they're watching Pinocchio, and that was it. We went through that with Lilo and Stitch this week, which I was okay with because it really is a good movie. But you know, here's the ironic part of that is that. If I had said to her in my, in my unintentionally, like, I'm introducing you to something new voice, where I would go, okay, it's Friday night. I heard there's this Disney movie came out around the time of Monsters, Inc. I heard it's really good. It's called Lilo and Stitch. No. Right? That probably would have been her reaction. Because, you know, the, that's a very common thing. They just want to reject something. that You could look at that as attention. You could look at that as interest. Like, you know, has the, is this the kind of thing that's gotten my attention before? Is it something that I'm interested in? And if it's not, it's totally natural to go like, well, no, I'd rather have what's behind door number two that, I, that I'm totally familiar with and know that I like. Um, but, of course, and that did ended up being something that we both really, really in, enjoyed a lot. Um, but I've had this, I've said this to her, and I know this doesn't help, which bums me out because it's so flawless logically uh, as i'll say to her you know there was a day when you didn't want to watch toy story i know you don't believe this right. but what, what you just said right now you said that one day about chocolate you said that one day about steak <laughs> right. you said that one day about noodles buttered noodles the staff of life buttered noodles with parmesan cheese which is basically every meal if she had her choice like there was a day where you didn't want to try that because you hadn't done it yet now, like how would you know whether this is your next chocolate unless you try it, which of course means nothing because they're little kids and they're not super bright. But, um, um, but I, I think that's, I don't know. In some ways I think that does get into the issues that can lead to things like procrastination or perfectionism, which stay with us our whole life. You know, one or two events in life. Well, I don't want to overstate this, but I, I I'm going to guess that like, if, even if you get, 
20, the equivalent of 20 intellectual home runs, yay kid, pat on the back, you get a sticker type events. Those may not have nearly the same impact for some kids as the one day when somebody laughed at them because they got it wrong. Oh, yeah. And if that happens over and over until pretty soon, you're like the dumb kid in the class or something like that. That, that That's understandably going to make you very very reluctant to do it but well which do you think is a bigger which do you think is a bigger challenge in life the kid who thinks man i'm not as smart as everybody else in this class versus the kid who's like i'm better than everybody in here when in in either in either case i was going to say it's false on both counts usually well like i'm too good for this stupid school thing you know like that this is stupid this is i don't care about any of this versus well oh i hope they don't call on me i I don't i don't want to be embarrassed oh i think it's harder for that kid way harder because you know something i realized something i wish i had more of that i'm realizing how important it is is just this idea of resilience and the idea that regardless of what happens like you stay alive and you'll probably be okay like that i've realized that and you can call it grit or whatever you want to call it whatever um but the idea of being able to to bounce back from good or bad is such a huge skill in life that I wish I had and I in an ideal world would like for my kid to have you know and that that, that kid who who thinks he's you know too too cool for school well I mean I still think that's probably a, a better he or she may be more inclined to try new things perhaps recklessly but I think in the long run that's probably a that person's probably going to be better off or have an easier time at certain points because the way life works and the way that like puberty works and the way college works, the way all those things work is it can be really hard on people who are introverted or who are doubt themselves or who do procrastinate or who are perfectionists Mm -hmm. because you know, when you're in an environment with lots of different people, you're very unlikely to get the, the special mojo that you need to bring out the best in you because you may not have a way to bring out the best in yourself. So, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd wave a magic wand and a kid would be able to do that, but not everybody has that. And in the same way that working a certain muscle gives you more or less exercise in this one area, if the muscle you exercise in that instance is like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I'll probably be wrong, then that's going to become a habit, I think. No, definitely that sort of, you know, negative... I I don't understand this, or I'm not going to be right, or I don't want to try it. But it can be tough to, thing. to break out of. Oh, 100%. And that's the, that's the funny thing about <clears throat> perfectionism, the cliche of perfectionists, is you could say to someone, usually, you use that in usually a couple ways. You might say, for example, like, um, gosh, I remember my friend Kim in high school. She used to drive me nuts because she was always that person. She was my lab partner in biology, and she, or excuse me, in, um, in chemistry. Yeah, I think that's right. Anyway, but but she'd be like, oh, I bombed that test. I'm like, Kim, you have never bombed a test in your entire life. I hate you so much. Like, I will be the one who got the 72. Right. She's like, no, I know. And she'd start crying. And it comes back and she's got like like a 98 or a 100. And then, of course, she's mad because she got a 98. But like, you know, that, uh, I think, I, I think there's, I think there's, a person like that that you could look at and go, oh, Kim, you're just saying that because you're a perfectionist. And when we say that, and I don't think that's precisely true, I think mostly they're sandbagging and trying to manage expectations. But in that case, we use perfectionist almost like a kind of left-handed compliment to say, oh, you're, you're just saying that because you want things to be perfect, which may be true, but I don't think that really gets at what perfectionism is. Mm. Perfectionism to me is much closer or, or then you can, so, so then the other example is you say to somebody, like in a job, you say, okay, 
how's it going with the Henderson report? And they're like, it's coming along. It's almost there. It's pretty good. Um, you say, well, is it going to be done on time? You say, well, I don't know if it's going to be done on time. Like, I don't know how long it's going to take. You say, oh, stop, don't be a perfectionist about this. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it really just needs to be done by Monday. And so you could criticize somebody in that instance by saying, well, you're being a perfectionist, which means that your own personal hangups about getting this exactly right are harming the project. Do, do you know what I mean? So there's yeah, one totally. kind of perfectionism, which is just that your standards are too high, and then, or that you, you say your standards are really high. And there's the other kind of perfectionism, which is that you're essentially like, you have this affliction or personality problem that means you don't get stuff done on time because you think it could always be better. And I think when most people say perfectionism, that tends to be what they mean. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to say what I think it really means, but that that doesn't that what most people mean? No, I, I'm I I think that's exactly. Well, what does it really mean then? I well, I don't know. I I never thought about this until I hit, had a a, a a kid that was so different from me. But um, I think another kind of perfection is think about per, again. I'm obviously already heavily grouping this in with procrastination, but think about like in your head if you're thinking about what's a classic kind of thing like writing a paper or something like that. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who have trouble even getting started on something because they, because it, <laughs> the way I used to say it on 43 folders, I can't, I can't start this thing yet because it isn't already done and great, which sounds really silly until you think about how most people approach something like that. Well, if, if you really had done something a lot, if you'd written a lot of papers, if you had to write a paper every week or every day, like say you had to write a half page paper every day. Well, if you actually did that, enough days, you would know that you can do it. You would know, and you would know that there are good days and bad days. You'd be like Mariano Rivera, or maybe not him, but you'd know that like, I just need to go out and throw as well as I can every game and try not to get injured. And when you do that, then you don't have to procrastinate about playing baseball because you know you're capable of it. And I think a, a perfectionist is somebody who, who, when, you know, encountering a situation that may be something new, maybe something familiar, but there's something where they kind of can't imagine it done in, the, in a way that they'd be happy with, or they can't imagine what the steps are between this ridiculous anxiety and being finished. And that kind of perfectionism is what can make somebody procrastinate by spinning their wheels about how to even get started. Well, you get started by just getting started. Just go scribble something down, make a mind map, do whatever, take a walk, do something. But I think there's a kind of perfectionism that is really shameful to people because they can't, and, and they would never call it perfectionism, but no matter what they do, okay, let's say they say, okay, 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 I gotta, I gotta get started. I gotta get started. I gotta go get some index cards. Oh, these index cards suck. These aren't the right index cards. Um, now, okay, uh, I'll do a mind map. Oh, it's so stupid. Like, why am I using markers? What am I, a baby? Like, there's all these dumb things that you start doing where, like, just something, like, give you, you just can't give yourself a break to get started. I think that is definitely, a, I think that is honestly a, a more, legitimate real world kind of perfectionism that a lot of people suffer from it's just they wouldn't call it that they would call that i suck but that's it really is a form of perfectionism like it, you know unless this thing is done and perfect i'm a bad person and so you can never get to the point when it's even nearly done you can't even get to the point where it's satisfactorily begun it can't have this state of flux or incompletion to it because then that whole time you're just talking to yourself about what a bad person you are that's what i think it is it's almost like you're sense? demotivating yourself in a way so that you oh, can yeah. get out of doing the thing that you're wanting to do. Oh, I've done that. I've thought, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, maybe the school will burn down tonight 
or maybe there'll be something, you know, maybe my teacher will get scabies and I won't have to think about this for, uh, you know, if I can just make it to Friday, then I won't have to worry about it until Monday. Like that's going to make it better. I don't know. I think that's putting it out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And I, I bet we contribute to this. I mean, things like, you know, I think I told you a long time ago, um, I saw this thing in my, my kids' preschool, and I had a really strong feeling about it, but it was this, this kind of a sign in the art area about how to talk to your kids about what they're making in art class. And I was like, oh boy, here comes the macrame. And, and I went over and I, and I read it, and it's just, oh God, here are more hippie signs, just what I need in life. And I read it, my first reaction was, oh, really? Because it said, you know, when your kid's drawing something, um, just... If you if you feel the need to make a comment about what they're doing, make a make a comment about the colors, make a comment about the shapes. But you know what you don't do? You don't walk up and go, "Oh, that's mommy," because there's probably actually a pretty good chance that that's not mommy. Right, like fifty-fifty. That could just be drawing in a circle. It, well, you, but no, no. But I mean, it might not even be if that ended up looking like a person. Like think think about like how you write or how I write or how we make stuff. We just start making stuff. And then, like, if I got two paragraphs into something that might eventually be great, somebody walked up and said, oh, it's one of your rants. And I'd be like, no, this is not a rant. This is just me writing. I don't even know what this is yet. Like, don't, don't tell me this is mommy. Like, I don't know what this is yet. Right. Leave me alone. And, 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 but so, yeah, first I was dismissive. Then I was angry because I was like, don't tell me how to talk to my kid about this stuff. But then I realized they were right and that I do it all the time. A constant cycle of, you know, oh, that's a house. Good job. And both of those things are not actually all that instructive uh, or useful or helpful or, or I don't think they really help somebody grow that much. And I don't want to get into the whole like New York Times kind of like, don't overpraise your child. I think being enthusiastic about what your kid does is pretty much always going to be a good thing. But I, I would not want to get my kid to thinking these two things always go together. Number one, I tell you what it is you're doing whether it's what you meant to be doing or not or realized you're doing or not. And number two, then I praise you because you made this thing that I like. Think about that for a second. Like, so I just, I just walked up and all you were doing was being a little kid scribbling. Mm -hmm. I told you what something is and then praised you for it. Well, now what is that? If I do that 10 times in a month, what does that really do? Well, it tells this little kid that like to get the, the approval cookie, they're going to have to go make something that looks like mommy or a house. And if it doesn't look like mommy or a house and they're worried they won't get the cookie, they may not even want to pick up a crayon. Like what, you know, do you follow? No, I totally do. But then, then you start second guessing everything that you say, you know, and, and I mean, you're in a quagmire now. Well, it became, it was hard for me uh, at first um, because I'm very inclined. If it's obvious that she's drawing a house, I, I would go, oh, that's a cool house. But, you know, and this sounds so dumb and so hippie, but you could actually say this. You could actually, you could actually, first of all, you could just choose to say nothing because they don't really need you to be the art critic. Like, they'll be fine. They, they just let them draw. They're kids. They're going to make a lot of stuff you know good and bad but if you do feel moved to say something you can say that color red is really cool i really like that i like that and i like i like the way you that that that, that blue scribble is really cool too or something like that mm -hmm. if but you know if that doesn't sound helpful do you imagine that that's mommy is helpful i, I mean it isn't like it, like we are old enough to know that like oh gosh i would love to be an illustrator i would love to be able to draw somebody on tumblr posted up this picture of a five dollar bill where somebody was using just a very relatively few lines with like a ballpoint pen made it look like Bill Murray instead of Abraham Lincoln. That's and like cool. I was, I was, I, and I looked at, I stared at it because immediately I realized like how, how, how do I immediately know that that's Bill Murray? That's incredible. How did they make Abraham Lincoln look like Bill Murray? And, but it did. 
And I, I wish I had that ability personally. I w- if I drew a face on top of Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill and held it up, I, it would be a big win for me to, for someone to say, oh my God, that looks exactly like Bill Murray, especially if that's what I intended to do. But that's how we think. That's not how a little kid thinks. I think at the age my kid is at or your kid is at, I don't, I don't, most of the time, I mean, they're, I think they're really more expressing just enjoying colors, enjoying movement and it, it, expressing very general ideas about things. But I don't think they worry that that looks like a horse or not. Mm-hmm. I think that's an eight year old. I think an eight, eight or nine year old would go, yeah, you're damn right. That's a horse. And that's this, this is Pinkie Pie, you know, or this is uh, Fluttershy. This is a specific cartoon horse i'm ranting now this is a rant merlin (laughs) tell me about something you like i would like to tell you about a special little thing from our friends over at smile oh yeah i use this today pdf pen is what i'm talking about you use this today used it today pdf pen there is a whole suite of pdf pen editing tools it's for Mac and it's for iOS. And it doesn't matter now whether you're on the road, whether you're on your, your desk, whether you need advanced editing features or you just need to sign and email back a contract like we almost do very, very frequently to get anything done. There is a very cool tool here that they make. So the, the really, it's there are four tools in two categories. All right, Mac and iOS. On the Mac, you got PDF Pen. This is like the all-purpose PDF editor. You're doing things like adding signatures. You're, you're editing and, and adding text. You're doing stuff with images. You're making changes. You're correcting typos. You're OCRing scan documents. You're filling out forms. This is the one thing. This is the gateway. This is the entry point for you. Gateway drug, as Merlin says. Hmm. Now, PDF Pen Pro does everything PDF Pen does and more. So now you've got interactive forms. Now you're building tables of con- table contents. You're building, uh, converting web pages to PDFs. I mean, all of this stuff, all built into PDF Pen Pro. Then step over to iOS. You got PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone. Now you can edit PDFs anywhere you go. You're signing contracts. You're making changes. You're filling stuff out. PDF Pen Scan Plus, very exciting. The power you remember how uh, Doc Ox like the power of the sun in the palm of my hand? Remember that part? Mm-hmm. The power of your office in the your pocket. So I'm, they're going to have to run with that. Scan <laughs> contracts, freebie. invoices, receipts. Man, you know, you go on a trip and you want to keep track of receipts. You sit down and you eat some, some dinner. You're like, screw it. I'm expensing this thing. Right? You scan the invoice. You scan the receipt right there. Boom. OCR. Now you can search for that text. All of this stuff. So they've got a wonderful little uh, set of questions here. What what kind of uh, PDF pen user are you? Go to this site. It's uh, smilesoftware.com. And you're going to you're going to see all of these things. Merlin, do you have anything you you want to add to this? Well, it's really mundane. I shouldn't even bring it up because I'm a perfectionist. Mm. <laughs> but um I uh I, I probably could have used this more in the past, but I still use this all the time. Uh, yeah, a signature release. Um, we've got our the printer. We leave just leave the printer at home because our daughter likes to make copies of stuff and it's fun to play with. And we end up, <laughs> I end up printing out more stuff, way more stuff at home than I do at the office. But I often don't have a computer at home, so I just open up PDF Pen on my iPad. I open up this PDF that I have of like a four up uh, signature release thing. And I can go in, I can go in, and if I want to manually like put in a date, I can do that. They usually don't care. But I, I just have that all on my phone, and I print through the, uh, what's it, AirPrint or whatever it's called? Mm-hmm. The, uh, what's it called? 
Uh, I think it is called AirPrint, where you have a but printer print, that's go, compatible, and you yeah, just print right I've from got there. It, I, I got it hooked up to our time capsule and all I have to do is hit the dingus and boom, it prints it right out straight from my phone. And I, 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 uh, I love that. That used to be something where I would again, procrastinate on that. And I would think, Oh, I really got to back in the day, go to work. I should go print out like five pages of these and cut them up and have them at home, you know, just cause it's, and that would become a task that I would uh, procrastinate. And now on the morning of, I just see a uh, bloop delivery says, Hey, there's this thing coming. And all I got to do is hop over to PDF pen and print that thing out. That sounds really trivial, but like that's less stress for me now. Having that right there, being able to change the date. If you want to put in the provider, you could do that. You know, so th- different services have different levels of hinkiness about how willing they are to leave something there. Um, and you could go in because of the editability of that, you can go in and have it be whatever you want, print it right out. And it looks fancy. All of this stuff looks good and all of it's fairly affordable, especially considering that these guys have you covered no matter what it is that you really want to do. And by if the way, you I, found a, you, I found your dollar Murray and I, I'm putting you, that into the show notes for you. Dollar Murray, $5 Murray. Hmm. If you, here's the thing. I mean, this is, I don't want to get into the whole thing here, but like people who moan about the, the cost of software uh, probably don't deserve it. If you have a job and you get paid for things, any one of these products that we talk about on here, I promise you it will be paid for in less than a day of your time. It'll probably be paid for in way less than an hour of your time. So what is your time worth? Well, if your time is worthwhile, if your lack of anxiety, if your, if your happiness, contentedness, and confidence in your workflow is important to you, just go buy it. Like it's not, it's not that complicated. It really is worth it. And if you do anything with PDFs on like a more than weekly basis, you just have got to have this app. It's, it's, uh, it's a skeleton key for dealing with PDFs. They're just going to have to run with that, Dan. I mean, it's a good, you know, it's a good idea. They're, it's, they're going to, they're the, you're an idea guy, you know? Yep. Zibba zabba. Anyway, go check these folks out, Smile, and the URL to use is smilesoftware.com slash pdfpen, or just Smile Software. You can explore the entire site. Thanks very much to our friends over at Smile for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. Ding. (sighs) Saw $5 Murray. Where'd you find that? Uh, Hattie's listening to the show, and she sent me a, a link to it. Does it look? Does it look as much like Bill Murray as I as I said? Yeah, it really does. I mean, it, this particular one, it looks like they've done some some sketching, but it's it's shocking. Uh, how how it reads as Bill Murray? Yes, maybe it could be done with fewer lines. I don't know. Yeah, but it does look like Bill Murray. Have you seen the thing where you can you you put three folds? Over a, as it works especially well with a $5 bill, but you can make it work with $1 bill. You put three folds from top to bottom, one in the center, one about on the, like the corner of the left eye and one on the corner of the right eye, far corners. And depending then on how you tilt the $5 bill, you can make Abe look incredibly angry or incredibly sad just by tilting the bill. I've never seen that. Have you seen this? I have not seen that. I'm fascinated by these things. It's really fascinating. You really should watch that Doctor Who thing. The 50... Uh... I watch it four times. I cry. How it's long? Amazing. What is it? An hour long? An hour, hour and a half. <sighs> it's a lot of time. All right. I think you should skip it. I, right. You know what? Actually, you're not worthy, so let's move on. All right. I'm afraid to I mean, watch it. I'm a little intimidated. Why? Why? It's off. The, the whole new series is really awful. I good. might not be good at watching it. I don't want to try it. No more. No more. Anyway, um, that was my Billy Piper impersonation. (laughs) 
I was always a fourth doctor guy. I, I, I grew Me up too. Tom Baker. Like, Come know. on. He's yeah, the on only, the he's the only real doctor that there ever has been. And then I get into the novelizations. I, I, somewhere I've got a folder with a really excruciatingly accurate Doctor Who logo drawn on it from like 1983. I should see if I can find that. Because I'm old school like that. I'm um, trying to <clears throat> fold the Abe Lincoln right now into the... I got, a, I got a mojo bar here. Do you ever have a mojo bar? What's well, a good bar? A mojo hand? Mojo? Hmm? Uh, I'm thinking, thinking of Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. <laughs> That's the slow hand. That's right. Mojo is God. Now, Mojo is also the video game guy. It makes people fight, right? Does he make a no spoilers? He makes the, uh, is he the guy who makes the Avengers Arena kids fight? I think you're thinking of John Carmack. And Mojo's the guy who made X-Men Babies. Who am I thinking? Who's the guy? Scotty Young. Arcade. I'm thinking of Arcade, I think. Hey, Arcade. are you a big fan of uh, David Marquez? I met him at, uh, at Comic-Con here, the Austin uh, Comic-Con. Yeah, of course. He's so good. I mean, he draws one of the, the best pictures of, uh, of the thing that I've ever seen. And we, uh, I picked one of those up. He signed it for me. He used to be based out of here in Austin. Super nice guy, but he's done a lot of our, of the, um, ultimate, uh, ultimate comic Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God, he he's, and he's he, such a cool dude. Did you ever see my Jean Grey? You got one of his, uh, Jean Grey's? Mm-hmm. From our friend Moises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those two, are, those two are, are very good friends, apparently. I love the way everybody who's worked on all new X-Men, I love the way everybody has drawn the original X-Men. I, I, I think they just look fan, fantastic. Stuart and Monin has been a real up-and-comer for me. I want to find more Stuart and Monin stuff. That guy's amazing. The way he can draw, like, like Jean Grey biting her lip, or, like, Bobby oh, yeah. look, looking stupid. You know, Bobby, I don't know how, you're not, you're not really following the X-Men stuff these days, are you? Not, not so much, no. Bobby has been hilarious, like, for the last six months, especially. Bobby he's as in these, uh, Iceman Bobby? Yeah, yeah. Who's like, you know, he's kind of a... Omega-level mutant, I told you, you didn't believe me. I didn't believe you. I didn't believe you. But wait, what way do you get, like, four of them going at once? No spoilers. Really? Um, Oh, God. Oh, my God. You know what you should read? Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, you should read. It's 10, it's 10 comics, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's really, I thought, how did, we got a feeling on time travel? Oh, I love time travel stuff. Battle love of it. the Atom. Battle of the Atom. All right. I bet it'll be coming out in trade pretty soon. You it's know, they're having a, a, the day after Thanksgiving, the, the big shopping day at Austin Books and Comics, they do a thing where it's like, 20% off trade paperbacks. What should I get? Should I make a little, can we maybe do it on the air? Maybe do it off the air. Oh God. Yeah. This is a perfect a uh, third act. Are we, are we, are we good on perfectionism? I'd love to talk about procrastination again. I feel like that's, it's such a, it's such a good topic and it's, it, it really is like so at the heart of the actual, the walls that keep us from doing stuff. The barriers, if you like keyword barriers, uh, let's come back to that soon. Cause we, we've talked about it in the past, but you know, every day someone's born who's never seen the Flintstones or the Jetsons. Oh, God, Dan. Dan, just... Uh, I can't, how do you even compare? I guess they're pretty similar. Okay, no, I mean, the they, yeah, I don't know. The same show. Okay. All right, so what, you want to talk about what trades to get? Yeah, I want to know what trades to get. I want to know what... Uh, because they have, a, they have a thing where all the back issues of everything goes on a big sale, and they have, you know, like trade paperbacks go on. It's at least 20, or maybe they're 50% off. I've already got the Hawkeye one, and uh, but I need... You know, take me to school a little bit. I need to know what... Well, and you uh, do, the same, you do the same for me. Uh, I'll tell you a few things I've enjoyed in the last little while. Uh, is this a good third act? Yeah, this is a good uh, way to close it out. And then we'll tell them about um, HostGator. I think... Um, I have really, I've enjoyed a lot of the X-Men stuff in Marvel now. 
and it, it, it's it's pretty fun. I mean, it, if you're not a time travel person, it's probably going to drive you a little bonkers because it is ultimately all about time travel stuff. But uh, all, all new X Men um, by Brian Michael Bendis and mostly I think Stuart Amonin is uh, is really great. Basically, the 1961 like original 61. That's right, isn't it? The original the original X Men basically very early on in their tenure as X-Men, they're not very trained. They beast goes today's current beast. <laughs> we have names for these in our household. There's like, there's, there's uh anyway, current beast goes back in time to bring them back to try and talk Scott out of being all monkey balls in the, you know, post AVX craziness, try to talk Scott into his senses. Cause he's gone off now and started his own group with, with Emma and some new mutants that they found. Anyway, Hey, uh, Battle of the Atom is a lot of fun because it's it's a lot of uh, X Men from different times dealing with each other. The art is wonderful, I would say. Uh, but if you just need one to pick up, and I've talked enough about Saga and Hawkeye, all new X Men is out in trade. I think that there's two editions and maybe a hardcover. I think of that. Yesterday's Children or something like that. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. That's a that's a wonderful crossover. Like if you if you remember enjoying the X Men, you're gonna have a lot of fun with this. Uh, Jason Aaron has. Such a great sense of history when you, when you read Wolverine and the X Men. There's all kinds of little in jokes. Also, you know what's great, Dan? The new uh, the new Amazing X Men, where they have to go out and try to find Nightcrawler, is really you actually. I think you saw that variant. That's I did. I variant. saw the cover of the variant where a night. I guess spoiler alert: Nightcrawler is. Did you miss me? <laughs> yeah, he's back. So um, I don't know. I uh, but I, I had to buy that. I had to buy that. Scotty Young. Oh, I want. I want to just sit down with Scotty Young and just watch him sketch these things because there's there is so he has you can just tell the guy is having a blast drawing this stuff his line his line work is amazing really really interesting um it's got the it's got the amazing avx babies which is a riot yeah we read that like once a week you have avx babies no i've never read it i mean i've looked i've flipped through it in the store but or baby baby uh scott steals um bucky bear from uh baby captain america (laughs) And, and then this they canon? Is this considered canon? Oh no, no, no! It's no, it's so not canon. Uh, it's Scotty Young did the cover and wrote it, and the guy, the Japanese guy whose name I always forget with one name. But uh, that stuff's all great. Uh, do, do you have one you want to toss out? Oh, can I toss out one more? I haven't finished this yet, but there's a really. I've only read the first third of this, but there's a really wackadoodle crossover between all new X Men, Hulk, um, Indestructible Hulk, and Superior Spider Man that I haven't. I've only read the first third of, in a very kind of unconventional looking style. Uh, and it is called Arms. I think it's called Arms of Doctor Octopus. And I really enjoyed the first third. I've got the other two. I just haven't read them yet. I've got. I, I, I've got I, two. I, I keep hearing two. good things. I keep hearing good things about Superior Spider Man. I hear lots of good things. Oh, I'm reading it, dude. I'm reading it. It's it's good. I I I hate to say it, but it's good. And there's hope. I hear there's hope. There is hope now. Uh, the two can that I'll throw out there. Can you, to, can you tell me where to jump back in? I've got all of them. We're up around like 20 or so now, something like that. Is there anywhere I can jump back in fairly recently? No, um, no, you've got to read the whole thing. Okay, can do. Uh, so that would be that would be actually my number one recommendation. And I, I think that would mean there's probably three... Okay, let me look at the collected editions here. Okay, no, there's five. <sighs> I guess that's a lot. I mean, technically, you, you're going to want to read Superior Spider-Man Volume 1... Um, which is going to have uh, a collection of Amazing Spider-Man 698 through 700 and then Superior Spider-Man 1 through 5. 
and just sit with the anger. It's you're going to be okay. Yeah, it'll make you angry. Uh, and then there's um, then then and I've seen them split this up different ways. Interesting. If you just start, you could jump in with Superior Number One, but it, I would recommend you read the last two. That's of, when Doc's Doc's in the hospital. Yeah, the prison hospital. Yeah, when he's in the hospital, and you've got on the island, and you've got so so. But they do have this put together into one thing where it's like a big volume, and that's going to take you through. But then you can get the, the trades have it broken down into like Superior Spider-Man Volume One through Five, where it's like issues one through five, and then six through ten, and then eleven through sixteen, seventeen. Anyway, this is a really, really, really interesting great take and it's a different kind of origin story it's in a way it's um it's interesting there there are some, there have been some lulls in it but ramos does a bunch of of the art in this and he's still i think the best uh artist spider-man artist is since <laughs> since the beginning i mean he's fantastic and and just the life that he brings to the characters the way he draws the characters the storylines that, that go along with it that that he really brings to life are, are just amazing so i'll throw that in there if if spider-man's not your thing uh and and hulk is planet hulk classic Oof. this is greg pock back in i think 2000 like six but that's that's something that you can pick up it this one's not for kids that's not for kids i would say superior spider-man <laughs> we've, not we've, for kids we've read it and we've watched the tv have show. you really it's pretty gruesome yeah it is um, Hyder, not a fighter <laughs> and then, i love meek <laughs> while i'm while i'm uh, obsessing over greg pock i would say red skull incarnate uh definitely not for kids mm. but the artwork in this is outstanding the story in this is is very very interesting and it's sort of the it's the red skull miniseries uh that buy it just for the covers alone they're amazing but it it it's the origin story of the red uh of of the red skull it's recent uh it's like maybe a year? year or two old at the most but it's oh, only okay. i think there's only four issues to it maybe there's five uh but it's it's really really a good story you won't come away from it being like oh poor red skull but you're you're definitely it, it's an interesting take on what does it take to become of a, a villain like the red skull so it's it, worth a read i love it those, those are really um excellent excellent selections so tell me yours really quick because i'm adding some links for them right now number um, one oh the ones i said before yeah i would say um <clears throat> all new x-men you can just put in volume one of that uh there's there's god knowing marvel there will probably be a big trade or a hardcover that puts a bunch of these together knowing yeah. that they have three volumes 300 pages each of avx b, right. b stories um <clears throat> uh what else what was the other one i'm trying to think of other ones that are out in trade right now that are uh, you like really the hawkeye good. one right well i say that all the time yeah but i mean let's put it in hawkeye well, volume one uh, no put in i put in the hawkeye hardcover there's a hawkeye hardcover with everything through i think 12 or 11 everything through 11 um and uh i'm trying to think of other stuff you know what i picked up well let's to finish the thread what else did i say uh battle of the atom i don't think is out in trade yet okay. it just ended it was what happened right before I think like Amazing X Men started, but um, you know what? So I'm I'm just I'm going to be ra- finishing up uh, Court of Owls. So I went ahead and I picked up hardcovers of Night of uh, Night of the Owl. It is uh, the hardcover for uh, Battle of the Animus Out. You're kidding? No. Oh, put it in there. Yeah, yeah. If you like. If oh wait, you no. Like, I'm sorry. January 21st is when that thing comes out. So I'll put it in there enough. anyway. People can pre-order it. 
Uh, show notes live forever. Dan, Dan, can I ask you a question? Go ahead, call. I'm sorry, it's a quick question. Uh, uh, first time, Grayer. Uh, what? Uh, where would people go if they wanted to find show notes for uh, episode uh, one diggity 47 of back to your back to work program? They go to five by five TV slash B as in boys two as in the number W as in Warner brothers slash one forty seven. Um, and then the other thing. Oh, so yeah. And then, so you know what else I went ahead and picked up? My God, what a great cover. I know I'm going to say it wrong. Why do they have to make this so complicated? Death of the family. It's like starts around issue twelve. It's the one where Joker puts his face on and Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So I got that too. So I'm really excited to, to read so through. So that's this. Batman well, that's, Volume Three, Death of the Family, the new yep. fifty two. Number one, uh Court of Owls is just <sighs> if you like Batman, the thing is here's what you gotta remember about Batman. So Dan, I good. know you know this. I'm gonna tell this to the kids. You can, here's what you gotta know about Batman. There's a reason Batman started in detective comics. Batman is at the heart of it. Well, first of all, he's a rich psychopath, but he's also a detective. He, a good Batman story should be a detective story. And this is such, uh, Court of Owls is such a great detective story. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And it's gorgeous. That's Greg Capullo? Yep. Greg Capullo, wow. Scott Snyder, working together, unstoppable team. Uh, also, oh, well, he's doing The Wake now, too, which is yeah, really good. I, haven't, I have the first few issues of that, but I haven't read them yet, but they're on With my... Sean Murphy. Yeah, really good. Um, so those are mine I would toss out. I like this. I'm going to look at this uh, Red Skull. I'll put in a picture of Jean Grey. I think that's an Oscar Wilde novel. Hold for laugh. Um, <laughs> did you want to tell me about anything that you'd like? <laughs> Yeah, HostGator.com, premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started. They have got monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, tons of really great features that make getting your site up and running super, super easy. Now, you may be a a Marco user. You know, you may be a, a business. You may be somebody who wants to have a VPS, a dedicated server that you can run yourself. 99.9% uptime, they're going to give you that. They're going to make sure that you have unlimited bandwidth. They're going to make sure that you've got unlimited space. These guys are serious about it. And then you might be an old school WordPress user. That's fine. One click installs, optimized hosting platform just for you. And it's not just WordPress. It's all of these other tools, anything that's out there. They've got the C panel. If you don't want to be messing around with the command line, or you can just get root access and do whatever the heck you want. You can ask Bill Wadman, who does uh, on taking pictures here on five by five about it. He's been hosting with them for like six or seven years. Loves it. And you know what's fun to do is you need support. You don't know how to do something. They have the best support in the business of hosting. They really, really do. And uh, and I've met I've met their folks. I've met their, them here. They've got an office in Austin now. And, uh, and they really, really do care about how things work behind the scenes. And they want you to be happy. They understand the kind of problems that you run into. And they have people who can help, which is important. You're not going it alone just by hosting with these guys back to work 11 is the code to use 30% off everything everything at hostgator.com you click on hostgator.com you're going to see a variety of services not just hosting 30% off back to work 11 that's going to work on anything and everything over there at that site so go check them out thank you very very much to hostgator.com local friends for their 99.9% uptime guarantee and support a five by five and back to work 30% off back to work 11 host gator. I'm putting these things into the, uh, into the show notes right now. There's a superior Spider-Man one, a hardcover volume 
that seems to uh, include the uh, the end of uh, Amazing Spider-Man as well. So I'll I'll put that in there. I like one of the one of the reviews of this on Amazon. Why does Marvel hate Peter Parker? I think it's just Dan Slott that hates it. And if you get really in, oh, poor Dan Slott. If you guys get into it, make sure and go back and listen to all the podcasts that came out around that time. It would be a fun little time capsule for you. Yeah, it would. I also sent you, uh, I want I want a cut of this Amazon income. I sent you uh, also a link to, uh, this is a wonderful gift for, for, for kids you want to ruin. The Adventure Time Encyclopedia. I have that. Four. And you know what we, we call it? We call it the Enchiridion. Enchiridion. Everybody does. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's written by Marceline's father with annotations from um, Jake, Finn, and Peoples, or no, uh, I guess uh, Marceline. And they all, in different colored pens, they have annotations all throughout. It's really funny. Um, Marceline's father, he's not a very nice guy. Not Simon. So, uh, so we got... Do people uh, think Simon is her dad? Well, well, he, you know, he adopted her pretty much. He hung out with her for a while. I mean, I don't... When they were in that uh, Cormac McCarthy uh, <laughs> novel together. Yeah. You're gross. That's <laughs> God, it makes me cry. I cry and cry. <laughs> yeah, comics and Doctor Who. Boy, you're not going to get this anywhere else. Um, <laughs> and yeah. if you agree, if you agree to give me a cut of the Amazon revenue, we could do one of those obnoxious holiday gift guides. Let's we do it. Do the, we could do the buy an effing uh, camera episode of the show. Oh yeah, and, let's do it. Done. Yeah. Deal. All right. I want to cut. You got it. All right. Um, but no, there's lots of good stuff like this. And, and you know what I like? Um, personally, I like when you're doing a gift guide, like, oh, I get it. USB thumb drives are cool. But like, it'd be fun to like uh, talk about stuff that would be fun to get for kids or fun to get for somebody that's uh, interested in a thing. Let's we should it. think about that. Okay. It's kind of lame. Those things are kind of lame. But I love those fun. things. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were one of the inspirations for buying an and camera. Why not all? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. You and you and Gruber were uh, were primary oh, really? uh, inspirations for buying. I more camera. Gruber than me, but you know. <laughs> oh no, no, no! You were pretty good. You were pretty. You were pretty good around the winter of whenever that was, mm-hmm. two thousand eight. Um, excellent. Well, that's a lot of good stuff to read, and I'll I'll put some funny things. And listen, hey guys, this is serious. Um, we do something, and I, I think of it as kind of a piddling thing, but people seem to really enjoy it. Uh, I, I try to do pretty good show notes for each episode of the show. I go in and try and add links. Dan add, adds links. Uh, we put in some images. And is it fair to say, Dan, that people can subscribe to get a newsletter? The day the show comes out, you get an email. It's, some people say it's the only email newsletter that they deliberately get and they really like it. <laughs> right. Do you, do you hear this from people? People enjoy this. They do like it. And you, you spend a lot of time making the show notes great. And we put in fun images and things like that. And those are all transformed magically into the newsletter so that all you need to do is subscribe to it. It's a very inexpensive. I don't actually think it costs anything, which would make it uh, almost affordable. And, <laughs> for you or for them? Yeah, for anyone. Huh. And uh, so they sign up for this, and then on day and date, just like the comics, they will receive in their email uh, a, a all of the show notes that you've created. It looks beautiful. It looks great everywhere on every device. It's sent to them. It'll have our, our show notes in it, and it'll have a link to the show. They can go listen to it right there on their phone or their computer or whatever. It's like a personal pull list. Yeah. Pull it out. Look at it. Put it away. Show my your box. friends. Pull my box. I'm an executive box holder. Oh, yeah, uh, your cigar uh, shop? Hmm? Huh? I, I'm, I'm not familiar with this work. Oh. 
Hmm. You want to button this up? Let's button it. Okay, uh, happy Thanksgiving. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. 